Hello? Hello, is this M48? No, this is your power company. You forgot to pay your bill again, fucker. Oh, I was calling to see if you needed the update your auto insurance on another episode of Music Speaks, sometimes very loudly, with your host, Gonzo Rocket, and as always, on the panel... What's up, M48? Yo, yo, yo. Concert season's among us, and the shows are lining up. We got the Grateful Dead playing... Wait, the Dead and Company? It's Dead and Company, yeah. Why can't they be grateful anymore? Because when, uh, unfortunately, when uh, Mr. Jerry Garcia left the earth, um, they uh, decided not to call themselves the Grateful Dead anymore. Kind of like Queen, right? Where they have the Queen Plus? Yeah. Queen Plus One. Essentially, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, very cool, very cool. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about YouTubers. Um, Hey, what's up, guys? They all start off like that. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like the it's like the calling card. Hey, what's up, guys? I mean, yeah, it's 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 just straight into the point, I guess. I mean, but is it creative? I don't know. Well, I think everyone follows the mold that's going to get them paid by Google Analytics and whatever and whatnot. Yeah, pretty much. But we're not going to bore with you bore you guys with those lame statistics. And we should we should probably read the whole thing and just crack jokes at it. So Steve Terraberry. He's the guy that's known for being like the Canadian Jim Carrey on guitar. He Never makes fun- heard of him. He makes funny faces. He, he Okay, I followed him back like five years ago because he had a really funny YouTube episode where he gave the definitions of gent. Mm-hmm. And he described it as like tones and sounds. And it was, it was hilarious. It was really snood, real funny. When his core audience was like metalheads, and then he he transitioned to become like this ch- children's guitar player. Where he just he his big audience are children. Hmm, kind of like our big audience is old people. Our demographic is thirty four to forty four. That's our biggest age group. Yeah, so not ter- not not that so, old. Fu- fun fact: basically, our audience is older than you. By about 10 to 15 years, yeah. Yep, if they only knew that you're only 14 years of age, they would look <laughs> at themselves. Yeah, right. I'm not I'm not 14, guys. <laughs> you wish, bro. You wish. I actually don't wish I was 14. Can you imagine if I was 14 right now, how much of a freaking pain in the ass I would probably be? Well, you wouldn't be able to afford cool gear. That's first and foremost. Second, I mean... Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. When, I was, when I was 14, I was dirt poor when it came to gear. And then here's my, how many people would invite you to their podcast at age 14? The, com- uh, the, the conversation would be different. Think, It'd be like... I don't, think, I don't think there was podcasts back then. <laughs> Maybe the very first iterations of them, but I don't think they were like fully fledged. Yeah, like the Joe Rogan experience and all that. I remember the first... Well, I podcasted 10 years ago. It was called Gonzo Rocket In Your Pocket Podcast. That ran for eight episodes, and I essentially just dissolved it just because of the fact that uh, there was no streaming providers, unlike Anchor.fm. Was that the podcast that I was on? You might have been on it, yes. Probably the first iterations. A long time ago, dude. Okay, because I remember being on it when I was like 18. And that was, let's see, I, that was seven, seven, eight years ago. Oh, shit. You were on the show, huh? 
Yeah, that's how we actually, that's uh, when we first met. Damn, dog. Because we jammed together for that 4th of July. That was, no, that we did the 4th of July thing uh, after. Holy crap. Dude, yeah. time's flying, man. Speaking of time flying, I mean, let's go back to our YouTube pivot before we talk about time flying. So there, there are several episodes comparing the Silver Sky to the Fiori, and I don't understand that. Is it just because of the single coils? I think so, and it's the strap body, you know. I, but looking I don't know at the, the, go ahead. To Sorry. me, to me, to me, the Fiore is kind of like they had so much success with the Silver Sky, so they kind of wanted to piggyback off of that and gave this guy um, Mark Letary his his kind of signature model from Snarky Puppy. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I mean, it's. Okay, so the Silver Sky it came from um, John Mayer's um, inspiration of wanting to move the Stratocaster forward because he had apparently he had asked Fender to do that for him in the in uh, years past, and they just flat out told him no, like no, we're not going to do it. We're just going to keep keep to the fifties and kind of sixties kind of look of it. So he left Fender because of that. So he went to PRS, and him and PRS uh, kind of they um, collaborated on uh, moving the his favorite instrument forward. So they did that by they still kept the integrity of like the the S style body. It's nothing real crazy except it kind of has that. I'm looking at my uh, Silver Sky right now. It, it's it has the like the the PRS um, three quarter cut on the lower horn. That's new for the the Silver Sky, and uh, it has a three on the side headstock reversed that some people complain about. I complain <laughs> about it. I complain about it. It's ugly. But you're, but you're buying it, aren't you? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That's gonna be a badass guitar. Exactly. So, do the headstocks really matter? No, because the Fiori. I looked at it on the Trogli YouTube. Mm-hmm. If you look more detailed, there's a lot of cuts on there that don't look. They don't appeal to me because they're too much getting out of what PRS does. They're did you too, see the top horn? The top horn, yes, I did. It has a contour that I don't like. I don't like that cut. That's where the Silver Sky is like, nope, I like the Silver Sky more. Right there. Yeah, because, I mean, when you look at the the Fiore next to the Silver Sky, it's like, I think, to me, it, the Fiore looks like it was a prototype of the Silver Sky. And then the colors, At like the point. color schemes are terrible. I'm like, ugh, ugh, ugh. I cringe, dude, the whole time. I do like the satin finish more for the Silver Sky models. I like satin. I think satin's a good guitar color. Mm-hmm. I mean, my I have, I have two guitars, and what really got me into the satin was the Eddie Van Halen Wolfgangs, the Stealth. That's a satin finish. Yeah, and it's it's cool because you don't have to really clean them. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, um, I have my satin Silver Sky. And it's uh, like kind of like where the arm, where you rest your arm, it's kind of glossing up just a little bit, but it's not like nothing crazy. But that's just over, like you know, me playing it. I mean, yeah, playing it twenty hours a day since its inception. I mean, I'm sure something would happen to it. <laughs> <laughs> you're play, you're playing so fast, you're time traveling. But have you noticed that? Um, I've noticed this. I can't look at uh, regular strats the same after. Uh, looking at the silver sky because the silver sky is more balanced aesthetically like and visually like the the upper horn you know have you ever noticed on a strat that the upper horn is kind of 
unbalanced. It's kind of off a little bit from the the, yes. the other horn. Yeah, it doesn't line up. Yeah, it doesn't line up. So with uh, what PRS and John Mayer did is they fixed that. They made it more um, visually pleasing. And then the same thing with um, the pit guard. The pit guard's different on it. So on the bottom horn where um, the three uh, knobs are, the volume and the tones, it's the same um, thickness and same shape as the horn, the upper horn. Hmm. Now i got to look at the Silver Sky real quick so I can kind of compare. And that. And that's and that's why the um, the headstock is reversed, so everything is more balanced. Oh yeah, I do see that. Con- I see. I do see that balance. Mm-hmm. Whoa! See, these are things you don't really look at when you first when the first when the because when the Silver Sky first came out, everyone's like, "Oh my god, it's just a Strat copy. It's just a Strat with a PRS neck on it." No, no, no. No, it's but, got some, but it makes sense, dude. Like the way they, I mean, with the three three quarter cup cut, the mm-hmm. little cup pocket, ergonomically, well, that, that makes sense. So, like back then, when I was a kid, I was like, man, that's ugly. Like I'm like, oh, why would they do that? But then I realized, because I, I had a Gibson Les Paul double cutaway, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, when you can't access the twenty second fret, you realize, oh shit. This is why Paul Reed Smith is ahead of the curve. And then I got the McCarty and was like, okay, now I can access the 22nd with ease. And on fenders, the 22nd's not as easy unless you have really long fingers. Yeah, so, yeah, that's what that, uh, that's what that cutaway is for. But then also what I was saying is when the Silver Sky came out in 2018, everyone gave him shit about it because they're like, oh, it's just a Strat copy. No. Because if you look at it and you actually, and then as as soon as they started rolling out and people started playing it, then they started to shut up. You're like, okay, this is a guitar. You know? <laughs> I, I was one of those people. Because <laughs> as soon as they played, I was like, oh my god, the pops, dude, the pickups, those those single coils, man. And we went toe to toe with a Sir pickups, and no, those those sound way better. They have more range, more more. Um, how do I explain it? They're more. Not twang. I'm not gonna say twang. They're more true vintage. They're like, more earthy. They're, yeah. More mid mid low. Whereas the sir is more crisp but hollow, thin. Yeah, because if you think about it, a lot of people are using sirs with uh pedals. So if you're using like a, a guitar that is the style is made for using a lot of pedals, if you have a, a more of a fuller sounding pickup, it's not like it's not going to sound as good. So maybe they uh, they leave the the players pedals to do fill up some more of that frequency space. Whereas the Silver Sky, it's more like a cleaner tone, kind of more it's directed more towards the the vintage kind of style strap players or someone who's kind of in that realm musically. Maybe they don't use the main pedals. Maybe they just use, you know, the distortion or the gain from their amp. So that way it allows the, the pickups to be, um, it, it, not the pickups, it allows the the guitar to be more, uh, heard more. If if someone's looking for a vintage Strat style, the Silver Sky, 170 million percent the guitar you got to get. Well, there's people that have owned or they own um, either custom shops or real vintage strats, and they say that the Silver Sky is very, very, very close. Yeah, I was just gonna go Silver Sky. <laughs> the pickups just sound way better in my. Well, 
I've never played a 50s. I can't say. I can't vouch, man. But I have played a custom shop. And a custom shop's pretty sweet, though. A Fender custom shop, like, legit, legit. No, those things, they're pretty smooth, like, buttered, butter, dude. I've never played a custom shop. I've played one I with a bingle to, finish. A bingle finish. I think it was an, it was an Ashwood body. Hmm. It was natural. It wasn't finished. It was, like, a natural nitro gloss or whatever natural though like you can see through the grain of the wood and another thing too um to kind of pivot back to the um the fiore i didn't know it was an ash body i thought it was an alder yeah that kind of threw me for a spin i heard that on the trogly episode i was like wait what (laughs) yeah i was like why would you choose ash i mean if if that's something that uh, Mark Letary said, yeah, I want an ash body, then that's all, the, all means. It's because of the fusion sound. I mean, the Snarky Puppy is about that that pop. You know what I mean? The pop, 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 pop. Like, they're, they're about that pop, dude. There's no room for twang there. They need the pop. It's very okay, tight yeah. music. Very tight played music. Very rhythmic. Very percussive. Very has to be in the pocket. has to be there. That's why he, he went that a more condensed wood. See, okay, that makes that makes sense when you say it, but if you've seen that, um, there's a video that John Mayer put out a couple years ago when the Silver Sky first came out of him playing it in the studio, and he was kind of playing that kind of percussive-y kind of uh, funk, mm-hmm. and it was just like, unlike, like a new guitar doing that. Like you could, okay, you could probably maybe hear like an older guitar doing that kind of thing, but a new guitar that like just came out like that year doing that kind of stuff. It's like, it blew everybody away. I mean, granted, you know, it was probably one of the best guitar players in the world playing it at the time, but it sounded so damn good. Was he running it through the Dumble? No, he was running it straight to the DAW. Oh shit. Yeah. So through a DI, dude, just straight boom. Yeah, actually, I can I can send it to you. That way, you can uh, yeah watch can it de- on your own time. Heck yeah, we can definitely reference that. I I might have seen the video, um, but yeah, it'd be good for a refresh. So the the world seems to be opening up very so slightly. Um, I think June fifteenth. What's June fifteenth? That's when Cal- like California opens up. Woohoo! It's like we're a theme park. I know. I like the <laughs> I know that's gonna be it's gonna be bizarre. Regardless, the original misfits are gonna be playing at the something of rock. The Friday show is gonna be headlining Metallica. Saturday is the original misfits and then Sunday it's Metallica. I might oh, wow. go see it, man. I gotta see Glenn Denzik as part of the Misfits. I'm I'm going through my Misfits phrase. I don't know where this came from. I think it's cause I hated on them so much when I was a kid. Cause I was I was one of those thrash metal guys, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's not good music, blah blah blah. Boy, was I stupid. <laughs> now I just want music that's not even how do I exp- like technical. I like music mm-hmm. that's just raw. Like that's what I'm trying to go for. I want raw music. I don't want so perfect. I don't want perfect music. I want embellishments. I want blemishes. I want raw, real music. Not not pooner goes into the studio and makes it perfect. <laughs> raw. You know who you're describing right now? Ooh, Pooner. You, no, you know what band you're describing right now? Or Sna- artist? Snarky Puppy. No. Grateful Dead. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, dude. The, the, Raw. The dead, catch, 
the dead catches up with you with whether you like it or not. <laughs> so I listen to the Grateful Dead and all of a sudden I'm listening to the Misfits. It's like all part of their plan. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, I'm enjoying it, man. I'm like, I listen to the collections, the Grateful Dead collection. No, not Grateful Dead. The, the Misfits collection, volume one and two. And that's like, boom, that's my morning. It's great. It's good stuff. I am going to pivot back to the Grateful Dead because we need to do a wrap up on that. On those years, we're probably going to pick a decade at a time because there's a lot of information to talk about. We're going to be throwing songs at you and, you know, hopefully the audience can keep up and kind of put into their musical digestion. Yeah, uh, we should do uh, in person for those and then we can have like the the song playing in the background. Would we get me? We'd get monetized for that, huh? Demonetized? Uh, yeah, we don't own the copyrights. But what we can do, what we can do is we can play a similar-esque riff and get away with it. Oh, okay. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, let's do that. So that way we can kind of capture it. Yeah, so we're going to kind of digest the Grateful Dead and kind of try to write our own interpretation of it-esque, but kind of to capture what the vibe is going on there. Because they had definitely, I think I said 78 was my years. That was like, yeah, or I think it was 78. Yeah, 70s. I think it was 77 or 78. Yeah, that I said, yep, this is my groove, this is it. And then, interesting how um, that was the same era, I mean, that Santana was kind of going on his up, on his mm-hmm. uh, trajectory as well. And there's several things where Jerry Garcia's playing with Santana. I was like, oh, I wish I could have heard that. Yeah, well, they were homies. Yeah, and their guitars are very, very, very similar. I'm sure um, Jerry Garcia would have been a uh, a PRS player if he was still with us. He probably maybe yeah he probably would have or maybe he would have stuck with uh, Alembic. No, he, he would have switched, man. Because well, the Alembic guitars the they were built specifically for him. Like those are like one of one, you know. And he he always liked his guitars to be like you know where only he could play them. Oh, I I don't know I don't know if he would be uh, um, up for like somebody. Um, like a, a guy or a company like PRS uh, mass producing his guitar like as a signature. But you never know. Yeah, you never know. I mean, at this point in the game, no one knows. But I mean, I know with Santana in the 80, 85 where he was using his Yamaha SIG and then he switched over to PRS and then that's it. He never looked back for 36 years. Has it been that long? Yeah. He never oh, looked wow. back, and that's when he di- he di- he discovered the Mesa Boogie as well, Mesa at that time or Boogie. I think yeah, he's the inter- one that named it Boogie, right? Yeah, that, that's the the folklore. But interesting enough, um, in '75, I believe uh, Jerry Garcia and Bob Weir were playing uh, Mesa Boogie amps at the time. <laughs> Ever since we started talking about the Saldanos. I've been fixated on wanting a Saldano, a slow 100. Dude, those are amazing amps. That's that's actually the next amp I'm going to get. No, that's the next amp I'm going to get. Well, who's to say we both can't have one? God. Hmm. I'm going to have to have a talk with him. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, dude, if you get it, that's badass. I'm sorry, man. When, when you showed me that Clapton, when he played it, and um, when Gary Moore plays it, mm-hmm. I – and uh, – oh, um, another, uh, who was it? It was, I saw it on another show. I think it was called, there were some blues guys, but I forgot their name. 
I'll remember. But they had a Saldano too. And I'm like, I like this tone. Was it uh, Warren Hayes? It was Warren Hayes. Yeah, he was playing a Soldano. He's he's known for playing a Soldano. Yeah, dude, the Soldano tone is just amazing. And I see in that one, uh, that one dude on the Canadian recording guy that yells at people on YouTube. They talks all the shit. <laughs> I forgot his name. Let me see if I can find the name of him. But that's where I saw the Soldano as well. He puts it on his YouTube every day. It's in the background. He has the Soldano and some other amps. Uh-huh. But I see this every day. It's called Spectre Sound. Spectre Sound Studios. He basically huh. talks shit about all the freaking uh, millennials saying, oh, well, you know, you're just talking shit because you're a blah, blah, blah. He just rips on them. He's like a, he's if Aaron turned Canadian and started talking shit about people just recording. <laughs> but he has a Soldano. He's pretty. He's entertaining, dude. Honestly, I like to watch this guy. He, his his YouTube videos are just the same amount of time it takes me to finish a bowl of cereal, so it works out really well. Nice. He has I the timing down. So Specter Sounds, keep doing what you're doing. I like how you talk shit. It's funny, but man, a Soldano. That's that's the next on the the pickup. The Soldano, and then the twenty five fifty five, and I think I'm wrapping it up. Unless like, no, I need a Dumble esque amp too. Yeah. You need a Dumble-esque amp. Um, I was going to say, when I get my Soldano in the in the future, it's going to be the 100, uh, the SLO 100 King Snake, or the, the Snake Skin version. And I don't think I would run any pedals. Um, maybe like a chorus rack or like a delay, but just the the actual crunch of the amp or the, the clean and then the overdrive channel. And then just with the little chorus and delay, that's heaven. Yeah, the, the crunch state on that is amazing. I have it. I'm running the positive grid rack right now. So, of course, you know, I have like my five go to tones that are mm-hmm. actually direct IRs from these amps. So I have the I have a direct IR of a Dumble mm-hmm. for my clean and my glassy. It sounds amazing. And then I have the slow for my crunch. And I have the the 5150 for my gain stage. And I'm not gonna lie, dude. I toggle between the slow, the slow, and the and the ultraphonics. Match mm-hmm. made in heaven, right there, dude. Oh, dude, I totally forgot you had that pedal. Yeah, dude, those two things really, really, really love each other. And the and you know what's funny? The Dumble amp IR takes mm-hmm. every pedal extremely well. Every That's pedal. Interesting. So when you, I run the MXR. EVH fifty one fifty pedal. Mm-hmm. I'll have to record it for you. That those two make a great combination, more so than an actual fifty one fifty amp. That's hella cool, dude. It's it, it it's it crunches, man. I love it. I I it's it's so bad that every time I do that with the dumble sound and that pedal, I swear I get I forget what I'm doing and I'm just playing for like twenty minutes of just riffing because that tone together. I'll have to I have to take it. Either you come over and hear it or I take it over, but you got to hear this live. It's really good, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually I'm looking forward to that now. Yeah, dude, that that's a good thing about Positive Grid. They do a lot of IR samples of real amps. Mm-hmm. So if you can't get hands on it, at least you can get an idea of what it sounds like. You know what I mean? A, a close idea. Not the real thing, of course, but a digital sound of it. And it's pretty spot on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, like... A lot of people aren't going to be in the presence of a real Dumble unless you kind of, if you go see John Mayer or any, or like Robin Ford, you're not going to hear an actual Dumble. So to 
have like a, a software or something that is able to get it like maybe 97 to 98% of the way, that's pretty good. It's, especially with how far um, digital modeling has become, has come now. Remember how, how terrible it was like five, 10 years ago? <laughs> it was hella, it's so nasally thin. I know. It's like all mids and not, not the good mids either. <laughs> it's like if you were to get a sound and take all the good parts of it and remove it, that's what you got. Yep. <laughs> so they actually post on their website where they specifically got their. It was Jack Thamarat's 67 Dumble. Hmm. They showed Never where they them. actually get their copies from. Yeah, because uh, all Dumbles are not created equally. No, not at all. But it's it's pretty cool that they. Uh, that they were able to capture that tone for the IRs because everyone wants it. When you say, when you get digital, now the expectation is you get your rolling jazz chorus, you get your Dumble, you get your 5150, you get your slow, and you get your Marshall and your Fender Super Reverb. Like those are like becoming the standards in these, uh, in these digital, right? Because if you're going to buy digital, it's because you're not going to buy the real thing. So you want something, you want those tones. Yeah, I, I would say maybe people. I think people would de- prefer um, a deluxe reverb over a super reverb because um, a lot of people. Um, is the deluxe a two tens? No, the deluxe is one twelve. That's the one I have. So the super reverb was sought after because of the headroom and because of the four ten Jensen's. Yeah, the deluxe reverb has the same thing except it's just one twelve. And it's it's lower powered, so um, it's it was like a really uh, sought after um, studio amp. Like all the, um, have you ever heard of Toto? Yep, that's uh, with Luke uh, Lucafeter or whatever. Steve Lucafeter. Steve Lucather. Lucather. Steve yeah. Lucather. Ernie Ball signature guitar. He has a very nice guitar called the Luke Three, I think. Very good guitar. I've played one live. Not live. I've played one in person, and that is a very good Ernie Ball guitar. Yeah, so most of, most of, if not all of his studio recordings, solos and all, are through a deluxe reverb. Are you serious? I did not know that. Yep. I thought he was more, hmm. I would yeah, have not thought, guessed that. I would not guess that. By hearing it, I would have not ever, ever thought that. And I don't think he was. I don't think they were doing pedals that much in the eighties. Um, I think there it was all like through consoles. So like all the distortion and all the chorus and delay and stuff. It was all through the studio console. So the only thing that was, the guitar was running into was the deluxe reverb. Holy shit! Wait, you're deluxe. You have a deluxe. You do right? Yeah. Yeah, I have a deluxe and a Princeton. And the deluxe is based off Super Reverb, just one twelve. Hmm. Hmm. I didn't know that. I learned something new today. You see, kids, yeah, those, you can learn if you ask the right questions. Yeah, those Fender, the Fender Blackface amps, they all have the same kind of brain. It's just like little things that they tweak. But the Super Reverb has Spring Reverb. So does the Deluxe. And what's the difference? on the? Does it have different knobs or anything? Uh, no. I think the only difference is the Super has a mid control. The Deluxe doesn't. But the Deluxe... So I heard from, well, I read this in an article that uh, when Fender was producing these amps in the 60s to save money on cost, instead of uh, 
putting in uh, mid controls on their deluxes and their Princetons, um, they would just put um, a capacitor, I think, like a mid-range capacitor that's always like, pic picture like a, um, a capacitor inside the amp for the mids that's always set to, to six. Oh, yeah, that's the best. That I have my mids at seven, so <laughs> it's already kind of where I'm going to have it anyway. Yeah, so like if you, I mean, the Fender amps, they're, uh, they're already kind of mid-scoopy as, as it is, but um, you can, you know, scoop out the mids a little more by just putting the treble and the bass up a little more and then lowering the volume. And if you want the, the mids to go up more, you raise the volume and turn down the bass and treble. Because that mid is always on like number six on the setting. Oh snaps! Yep, that's that's good to know. For all you listeners, you digital listeners, now you know what to do. Because I guess but they, digital. But then they get in. But the digital guys, they all get into like um, fine tuning, like the frequencies. Yeah, digital's like when, cool, but it's fun pushing that air, man. <laughs> It is. Yeah. Even even though some people complain about some people supposedly playing too loud. The decibel puppies? Yes. I complain about that. You play too loud, bro. See, I don't. I don't think I do. Huh? <laughs> huh? What? I, I, like I, I, think I think you're used to it. But yeah, to me, it's like, uh, but I'm used to practicing, um, you know, room levels. I don't do when I do live. I have the earplugs in and stuff. You're we're, we're basically that meme of the the big dog and the little dog, oh, the, yeah. the big dog with the the hundred watt stack saying, "I knew a hundred watts wouldn't be enough," and then you're over here with your fifteen watt, but you're you're uh, digital. You're like, I knew this digital software is too loud. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh man, I everyone should have an attenuator. Did you see Marshall starting to build in attenuators into their systems? It's about fucking time. Dude, that should have been done since the fucking 70s, dude. Did they have attenuation te technology back then? Yeah, they've always had it. They just manipulate it through the to the power source. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so I mean, if you do it wrong, you burn out your blow up your amp. Because remember in the 80s when people were trying to copy the Eddie Van Halen Brown sound, he says, oh, yeah, why well, just turn it up an extra so many volts? And people were frying their freaking marshals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or he sags it or he said, oh, no, I just sag it one and blah, blah, blah. And they, they blow up their thing because it's not enough energy. <laughs> yeah, because he, he never really told people he just biased hot, made the bias hot. He said he would put more juice through it. Yeah, it's like that diagram that you sent me of uh, Slash's rig, and it's like uh, guitar players be like, "Tone is in the hands, bro." Uh, yeah, and then you see that was, freaking like twenty cables back and forth patches through this bay. He's running six twenty five fifty five SLs and six Marshall vintage moderns, and he has two Plexis in the back, and he has a Gibson Les Paul with custom pups, and then that's running through an equalizer, and then a custom signature wall that's running through a digital rack of you know. It's like what the fuck. And then, and then I was like, it's also in electricity. Tone is in electricity too. Dude, tone is <laughs> Tesla cannot get good tone, man. So. You need you need real power. You can't be running a lithium ion to get the kind of power for that tone. 
Damn. Don't, are you gonna? Have you heard of what, tag? You know Eric Johnson. Even though he plays in big studios, you know he still plugs his amp into different outlets and runs it from that source. Yeah, you know he also is picky about the um, batteries that he uses in, in in some of his pedals. So was Dimebag Daryl. Huh. Yeah, they had a very particular thing. There was a story where Dimebag like literally. Like wanted to punch somebody or kill somebody because uh, he gave him ten bucks to go get him a nine volt Duracell D for his pedal, mm. and the guy came back with like the dollar store one, and he's like, "What the fuck, man?" <laughs> I said Duracell. Duracell batteries are good. You know whose batteries are shit? Amazon. Amazon's batteries suck. Whoa, you're 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 attacking Bezos there, buddy. I don't give a fuck. Today's episode is brought to you by Amazon. Shop with us on Prime and get a 10% discount on all your... I'm just joking, joking, disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that shit? The, the, one, the one guy I'm after is Bill Gates right now. Oh, because he executed divorce.exe? Oh, he's, he's freshly divorced, yep. What's up with that? That's weird. I don't know. That's a very um, odd thing to do at that age. Didn't... Uh, Bezos just get divorced too? No way. Yeah, he got divorced like I think last year, maybe the year before. But wasn't wasn't there rumor that Gates was like still dating his ex girlfriend? I don't know. Guy's a player. Well, holla holla holla. I mean these two guys are the they could be the, the pimp daddies of the world. But then you were really upset that uh J Lo got back with Affleck. Dude, that was weird. Cause okay, okay, okay. So I guess she was dating um, A Rod, Alex Rodriguez, the former uh, baseball player and entrepreneur, uh, and entrepreneur. Um, so I guess they were engaged to be married, and then uh, A Rod got caught cheating, and they called off their wedding. And then like two, not even two weeks later, there's photographs of uh, J Lo and uh, Ben Affleck on vacation together. Is he was he like, playing Batman? No, he wasn't. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I think he's done. I think he's done playing Batman. Exactly. Poor guy. He should have never got that role. It was not good for him to get that role because even the the running joke was the day Ben Affleck becomes Batman, the role's gonna end. <laughs> and he became Batman. He, it was like, whoa. Because wasn't he Daredevil? Yeah. Yeah, he was Daredevil back in the day. But I've I've never been a fan of Ben Affleck's movies. I mean, the one th- good thing that he did was probably Goodwill Hunting. No, I still like him in the what? Well, Mallrats. I've heard of that movie, never seen it. I've I've saw all the Kevin Smith movies just because he's such a nerd. But that I've seems, seen all, yeah. all the Kevin Smith. They're actually interesting. They're that not seems, high budget, bro. That seems like it's more your gen. Yeah, because we were into like the weird Quentin Tarantino and all that stuff back in. I mean, the I've gen. seen. I mean, I've seen Clerks and Clerks too, and they're they're good movies. They're funny, but I haven't really gotten like deep into you know that kind of uh, kind of uh, what's it called that kind of counterculture cult, cult classics. Yeah. Speaking of, but movies, yeah, dude, what's up? But yeah, dude, weird weird uh, news week. Yeah, it's been bizarre. And then Simpsons, how they know the future. That's creepy. That's been that's been a thing. I know, but it's just still creepy. 
It's 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 like not even to the point where it's creepy anymore. It's just like oh, they they predict they predict something right again. Yep. Hmm. It's just bizarre. But on that note, damn it, I was gonna say something about music. I guess music speaks will now be movie speaks. Sometimes very loud. The new <laughs> Disney like, Plus show Loki is gonna air next in two weeks, three weeks. It'll be like uh, that Chappelle show sketch, uh, Mooney on movies. <laughs> Oh, dude, that guy was amazing, man. Dude, Paul Mooney is the goat. I love that guy. Dude, <laughs> the last samurai on earth starring Tom Cruise. <laughs> That's all you got to say. He's like, that was a movie that I was offended by. He's like, you had Brad Pitt with, as the last Mexican. <laughs> and then the rest, I'm not even going to repeat. Hell no. He's a Hollywood, you're crazy. And the good thing is Chappelle started getting paid for... The Chappelle Show. Yeah, finally. Which is kind of weird that, like, there's no royalties in that system now. I mean, now Chappelle changes the game because now there there will be. But that's kind of odd, right? Like, if if you stream Ace Akadaka, they get royalties. But mm-hmm. if you stream Chappelle, he doesn't get royalties. That doesn't even make sense. Probably the, the management. Yeah, because you're paying all those. But he's getting funded. Yeah, but I mean, if you think about it, ACDC's management is like top tier, like untouchable compared to Chappelle's. That's just how it is. Yeah, because that that was his breakout, right? The Chappelle show? Because mm-hmm. he, he had a lot of minor roles prior, right? He had Half-Baked. He had several little things he was on. He had several failed pilots. He was known comedian, but he was never like, oh, this is the man until Chappelle show came out. And then they're like, realized, oh, shit, he's the man. And to walk away from season three, like, what? That was badass. At the time, I was angry, but now I, I'm over it. It's like, at the time, I was angry, but now I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to you gotta stick to your guns sometimes. I think if more people did that, more things would change. got to stick to your guns, man. That sounds like an AC. That actually sounds like an ACDC song. Stick to your guns, <laughs> <laughs> man. Or what about that one? Dirty deeds done with sheep. Done dirt cheap. Nah, done with sheep, bro. No, it's done yeah, dirt cheap. I thought it was done with sheep. I'm like, oh, dirty deeds done with sheep. Dirty deeds and they're done with sheep. I see what you're doing right now. You're trying to make a joke, but it's not funny because it's <laughs> ACDC. <laughs> You can't make them. A, you can't make a joke out of ACDC. <laughs> can't joke about them. They're the unjokeables. Exactly. So A Rod. Oh, sorry, I'm gonna pivot back now because I'm concerned. So A Rod cheated on J Lo. That's the the word on the street. But doesn't J Lo always cheat on everybody else? Like I don't get it. it. What's what's wrong with Hollywood nowadays? Are they bored? Is that what it is? They're bored. I think so. I think uh, the life pandemic life has made uh, celebrities even more self centered. So they're just kind of just going like deep off the cliff. And then Jayla would have never been famous if it wasn't for Selena. Again, landing that role, Selena. Yeah, that's true. But wasn't she? No, nope. wasn't she on In Living Color? She was on a lot of stuff, but she wouldn't have never broke out if she didn't play Selena. Yeah, that's true. Selena was such an iconic individual because of how. A, brilliant she was and talented but to only live what 23 years of life like what the hell like <laughs> she did a lot for that little span of time 
and she's still uh, revered as an icon dude, today. She has, it, dude. Her music is, dude. Like, my wife listens to it, and I listen to it too. And I'm like, oh my god, this lady had this music had melodies, dude. Now I, I'm gonna make a um, a bold for. I'm gonna make a bold take right here. I don't want anybody to get mad or offended. And I'm not comparing the two. I'm just kind of doing a little Ooh, observation. Go for it. Could you say that Selena and Jimi Hendrix were kind of the same kind of uh, uh, iterate, not iteration, but like the same kind of impact that they had in a short period of time? Could you say that, that they were comparable in that sense? Where they're still being talked about, they're still icons, they're still um, inspiring musicians and people today. Yeah, I, I honestly think they could because Selena, even today, even today, like 2021, after like tw mm -hmm. almost close to 30 years after her death, she's still being played. Like people still hear music. Netflix came out with a series. And right. I mean, her music... I mean, I I never. I mean, I, I knew of her. My parents listened to her a lot. I mean, if you follow me on IG, I, I covered one of their solos on there. But um, it's just that Selena was more of the pop kind of genre, and Jimi Hendrix was kind of more of that new wave kind of of uh, of rock. But he revolutionized rock music in the short period of time that he was here. Oh yeah. Definitely. I mean, Jimi Hendrix is responsible for how many people picking up a guitar. I mean, he picked he picked up a guitar, and then how many people after like I want to be like Hendrix. I mean, Kirk Hammett, even Stevie Ray Vaughan was influenced by him. I mean, there was and, tons of people. And how, and how many uh, uh, girls who wanted to learn how to sing like Selena? Probably countless of them. Oh, it's astronomical. Exactly. So that just that just came to my my brain right now is that if you think about it, they could be comparable in that sense. Not saying that one is better than the other because I will never say that one oh, dude, musician is better Zach than the other. Zach Wild finally put a nail in that coffin. Did you watch the latest Guitar Villains? No, I saw like a <laughs> clip of it on Instagram. But he, go for it. Okay, you know Zach Wild. He lifts weights. He's like some fucking biker dude that he will fuck people up for fun. Yeah. So he, they were saying, like, you know, like basically what pisses you off. He's like, when people compare guitar players and who's better than the other, it's like, you can't compare. Everyone's different. Like, you can't, it's not a weight. You can't bench more guitars than someone else. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not like going to the gym. You can't lift more. You can't, he, he basically said, guitar is not even that. You can't even compare that. It's not even comparable. You can't say, this guitar player is better than this guitar player or this is the best guitar player. You know what I mean? That's true. I 100% agree with that. He, he, you should listen. I'll, I'll pull the tangent and I'll see if I can just capture that clip. But Or if you have time, listen to the guitar villains. Um, but it's cool because he, he straight up like put a, a nail in that final discussion. like, man, like, come on. Because if you think about it, that's only argument. Arguments like that are only made by nerds on the internet. If we're really real about that, it's only uh, made by nerds on the internet. Well, Jimmy Hendrix is better than Clapton. Clapton was better than Stevie Ray Vaughan. Be -de -be -de -be -de -be. And these are people on the internet that don't even play the fucking instrument. Exactly. 
It's like you're not even in the arena fighting the bull. You're on the fucking crowd, or you're in the parking lot trying to get in. <laughs> they're not. They're not even in the same state or the same uh, radius of the the venue nope. that's taking place. Nope, because everyone has their own. Everyone has their own. Their own like brushstroke. Like everyone's so different. Speaking of. There's, Different. I There's, mean, did you see Randy Rhodes is getting inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I thought he was already inducted. <laughs> He's barely getting inducted in 2021, dude. That's crazy. That's again. That's another guy who uh, was around for a short period of time, but pretty much changed the landscape of uh, like heavy modern rock. He uh, he influenced the the um, the respect for classical guitar amongst electric guitar players. See, there you go. He was also the pro. He supposedly, I, I don't think Eddie was ever in competition with him or vice versa, but the little speculators were always saying that they were running and gunning, like who's trying to be better than one another. I doubt they were even competing with each other. But the people on the on the forums and conversations always co- try to say, oh, they're neck and neck. Like, what, what are you comparing? Like, it's, does, it doesn't make sense. People are crazy. John Moody needs to get on the show and have a segment. Moody, Mooney. Mooney on music. It's Paul Mooney. What did I say? John Mooney. I said John Mooney? Yeah. Damn, dude. It's because I don't have a Nespresso, bro. I'm not awake. Let's get me. Nespresso, <laughs> Nespresso uh, improves your memory. <laughs> dude, you have the memory of a hawk. Do hawks have good memories? I don't know, but whatever. Whatever. I, th- I I would say I have the memory of like an an elephant. <laughs> and let us compare it to the elephant, who <laughs> in in the animal kingdom has the greatest memory. You have two ki- two types of elephants: the African elephant and the Indian elephant. One has Both longer have... ears. Actually, I think the Indian elephant has a th- a shorter trunk. And the ears too. The ears were different. Are they? Yep. The African one has long ears. The Indian one has the short ears. See, how can you remember shit like that, but you can't remember I went to Paul the Mooney's zoo. name? I went to the Fresno Zoo, and a little fun fact, when it comes to animals and zoos, I'm, I pay attention to that shit. I'm the guy that like reads every little panel and will stare at that fucking animal for like 20 minutes, dude. I'm like fascinated and enthralled by those animals. Like, whoa, that thing will fucking kill me. <laughs> like, like, Oh, I dude, can- I'm... I- I'm the same way. I used to, uh, I grew up listen, or watching um, Animal Planet because I was like so into um, animals and shit. Like, uh, I grew up in the Steve Irwin era. Oh, Steve Irwin, man. He was, dude, that's passion. He had passion for that job. He was badass. He's a legend, man. Rest in peace. Oh, but the good thing is the way he said it once, like if he dies in, the, in doing what he loves, is like that's the way you want to go. And he did. And his son is just like him, dude. I know. Man. What's his name? I think his name is uh, Robert. Robert Irwin. Yeah, they're in the... His daughter, too, looks exactly like her, like him, too. But they're, like, so passionate about it. They have a smile on their face. They're just like, oh, no. You know, they're, they're not fearing animals. They're, they're respecting them. Like, you know, like, hey, you know, before me, my dad did it. Now I'm doing it. That's heck awesome. Yeah, dude, animals are the shit. Dude, 
I agree. But I'm also that annoying person will literally won't want to move from the zoo because I'm just so fascinated by the monkeys. Because it puts everything in perspective, right? You get all people worry about stupid shit throughout the day, like, oh, I gotta get those reports in on time. Oh, I gotta do my work. Oh, but then you realize those animals have it right because they're just like, eh, <laughs> get to it when I get to it. Exactly. I think we should all live our lives more like animals. Like, be civil, you know, as as humans, but kind of go with the flow like uh, your favorite animal. <laughs> Dude, those monkeys throwing shit at people, I envy them. <laughs> <laughs> Their life is just so simple. Oh, my God, there's a picture of little baby elephants. Dude, I like when they freaking mug the shit out of you. Like, they put those new apes in that little, like, ditch area in the zoo. Mm-hmm. Dude, those guys look at you. They straight up mug you, dude. Like, what's up? Well, like they're ready to go, dude. Like, you want to go? Let's go. Like, whoa, dude. Those those gorillas want to fight, bro. Do you remember uh, Harambe? Yeah. Dude, rest in peace, Harambe. Good time. Everything, everything that happened after Harambe, unfortunately, was taken from the world. Everything that happened after that has just been a complete downward spiral. The Red Hot Chili Peppers are selling their entire catalog for $144 million. How much money do you got in your bank account now? Uh, about like one thousand four hundred. Um, about point zero one percent close there. Close is uh, better than not than uh, not trying at all. Yeah, I'm trying, man. I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna buy the catalog. <laughs> it, they say the catalog makes seven million a year. Dang, so that's an investment. Yeah, but at one hundred forty-four, how many years would it take you? It literally take you. Yeah. And that's if in the next 20 years people are listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers because most likely they're not. That's not going to cross it, generations. It would take you 20 years to uh, break even. Do you think people are going to listen to them in 20 years? I mean, they're already kind of dissolving. Like only my generation of people are into them. Like the people even younger. Like your age is probably the last age group that's going to appreciate them. And then beyond that, I don't see it happening. Unless they put new stuff out. Which is a very real possibility because uh, they're back John together. Cushante, yeah, he's back with them. Yeah, I'm going to definitely see them live as much as I can from this point because with John back in the band, that's the band I want to see. That's the Red Hot Chili Peppers to me. Definitely, definitely. Hell yeah. You know what I was thinking? Speaking of bands, this will probably go off on another tangent for a podcast for uh, a later date. But I was thinking if we were, like, if we formed a band. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, I was like, Gonzo would be like the Malcolm Young of the band. Like he would be like the the driving force. Like you would be the driving force of the band, kind of coming up with riffs and ideas, and like kind of just laying it down on on the guitar. And I'd just be, be kind of be like, I'd be like the Angus, just uh, going off of what you you tell me to do. You're like, all right, you just play lead and kind of don't fuck up. I'd be like, got it. <laughs> Oh, kind of like how at Pooter's studio. <laughs> yeah, I'll just do that. <laughs> oh man, no, we do gotta, we do gotta collaborate and get that music out, man. <laughs> yeah, but that... we with a, we need like a real the the drummer's gonna be the hard part because I can I drummers. can facilitate the bus the bass part, but the drummer, man. Well, we'll schedule that for another day, dude. Because I want to put out the the Walmart. Well, I want to call it. Uh, Remember how you had that idea about like great value Clapton and all that? 
Yeah. I told one of my coworkers about that. He said that was the funniest thing ever. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll go watch you guys. <laughs> he thought that was great. He's like, yeah, we need. He said that in this area, in Modesto area, he says there's not people that emulate those folks well enough to want to watch. He says if that's a possibility, that'd be hella cool. It's needed. Because, example, I went to Santana's concert in 2005. The, mm-hmm. There was a band playing outside of the, I think it was the Shoreline. I think. I could be wrong. I'm, I don't have a good memory. I'm not an elephant. <laughs> so before, when you walk into the show, you know, there's a live band playing. And they're kind of covering the Santana-esque sound. They had a Paul Reed Smith, a Mesa Boogie. You know, they tried to emulate that sound. And I'm just like, fuck, man. <laughs> they're not even doing it right. <laughs> like, like they got the amps and the gear, but it doesn't sound right. Like, it doesn't sound like him. It doesn't even sound remotely close. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Because I'm realizing not a lot of people emulate as well as they could nowadays. So that's a very needed art to be able to emulate, you know, the artists of yesteryears and kind of give them an interpretation that's more accurate. Like when people were trying to write to Mozart, they they would know his style and write similar to, but not be him. That's true. I mean, and it wouldn't really us, it wouldn't be like us being like impersonators. That would just be us playing guitar the way we do. Because yeah. that's we're we're so heavily influenced. You're so heavily influenced by Santana. I'm so heavily influenced by Clapton. It'd be like someone saying, uh, "Okay, play like you do, but don't play like Santana or Clapton." That'd be like uh, telling us to eat with our left hand. It's just it doesn't at this point in the game. It's just like uh, I don't think I can even play outside of that because I can't. <laughs> it's been so embodied in my playing, like. Uh. I mean, I mean, don't get not, me wrong. I'll play the metal, but yeah, don't get me wrong. There's still some in there, regardless. Yeah, it, it's like uh, it's like trying to take out um, a part of someone's DNA. It's just impossible. Exactly. Exactly. I haven't I haven't finished the bass part for Prado's song yet. <laughs> Should I be working on that? I thought you were. Oh yeah, uh, I was done with it, but then he sent it again with the with your guitar playing with the chords and something else, and I was like, uh, "This is the same thing. Why do I have to play it again?" Hmm. I I would say just record a bass part and uh, send it to him, and if he doesn't like him, like it, tell him fuck you. <laughs> no, I think my last bass part was too busy. Cause oh pro- yeah, yeah. Because Prado, right. Prado, Prado's the melody. You were yeah. comping him. I have to kind of keep it more. Because Aaron said play from this era, and I did. But the problem is Prado's not playing to that era, so it doesn't work. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. He's well, play- He's well, doing think- a more modern thing. Yeah, I think we'll have to uh, uh, go back to the studio and collaborate on it a little bit when we all have time. Time's but in Yeah. But anyways... Our band, you'd be the Malcolm Young, I'd be the Angus Young. The Malcolm? <laughs> He's the guy with the Gretsch, right? Yeah. The the older I get when I listen to ACDC, the more I I appreciate Malcolm Young. Because I, lis- I was listening to some isolated tracks from a live show that they did back in the day, and it was just uh, Malcolm's guitar part. Dude has like a right hand from God. 
like he's always on time like when his title is rhythm guitar that should just be his name rhythm guitar because that is like like if if malcolm uh was completely taken away from the band it would sound you know it like it would sound like acd it would sound good but it wouldn't be like acdc like he was the guy of acdc i mean yeah bon and brian johnson and angus they were the front men they were the the people that um sold tickets and stuff but the actual music was because of malcolm he held the band together like the izzy straddling of guns and roses yeah, pretty much. Except uh, Malcolm Young is far and away better than <laughs> Izzy Stradlin. Like the James Hetfield. Exactly, far and away better yeah. than James Hetfield. <laughs> it's funny because gr- growing up, I was like, "Oh, Kirk Hammett, Kirk Hammett," and then as I got older, I was like, "Nope, James Hetfield." <laughs> I'm more of a fan yeah. of James Hetfield. So right now, that's that's what how I am with uh, Malcolm right now. Like I'm I'm like really into his his playing from a rhythm standpoint. Don't get me wrong, I will always love Angus. Angus will always be a part of my playing guitar in my DNA. But right now I'm just really um heavily fixated on uh watching and hearing uh Malcolm from a technique point of view. I have to listen to some isolated tracks. But that'd be oh, kind of cool. I'll send you some. You'll you'll probably be blown away. You should listen to the isolated tracks of John Frusciante live. I probably will. Those are crazy. Like you realize how important this man is to that band. Well, yeah, because he was the only guitar player, so he had to occupy a lot of sonic space. It's like when you're playing with a trio; you got to play rhythm and lead at the same time. Yep, but he was doing the backing vocals. Amazing. Are you gonna watch the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Uh. It's they do it on on the website, right? I have no idea. I, I'm gonna try to watch it. Just I know Tina Turner got it, uh, inducted as well. Yeah, I don't know what took them so long to induct her. She's a freaking legend. Yeah, that part threw me kind of off too. And Randy Rhodes, like, huh? Like, what year are we in? They both should have been in a long time ago. Randy should have been in it since the year he died. Like, he was already doing it. I think there has to be like a, a, a like a, a waiting period. I think. Oh, okay. I think Guns N' Roses already inducted, right? So is Metallica. Metallica is. I don't know about Guns N' Roses. Well, they will be, <laughs> no matter what. So will Motley yeah, they, Crue. They, they probably will be a long a long time from now because a lot of people don't like Axel. Hmm. But you know, Motley Crue is going to get in there. They they should go in the Hall of Fame just for the. Antics off the stage. <laughs> Your music was good though. Like they, they got you moving though. Yeah, yeah. Their music is very, very good. It, it, it's kind of like how you said how the Grateful Dead they, they, um, they encapsulate like an era. Motley Crue encapsulated an era of rock in the eighties. Someone was uh, playing Death Leopard in the office, and I had to put Motley Crue. Def Leppard's cool. I like Def Leppard. Yeah, they're good. They have good songs. But I mean, Motley Crue's like a, the driving catalyst of Def Leppard. Like, you can't go with just Def Leppard. Def Leppard is when you're in the middle. Def Leppard is what you listen to when you're, you're chilling. Motley yeah. Crue is what you listen to when you're getting going. You got to go. <laughs> That's what I was telling um, the Always on a Twitter conversation we were having the other day. Um, someone had posted like a... What's I think the question was what's the best uh, uh, party band of all time? 
Let me see. Wait, party rock band? Yeah. Ooh, like Oh, it what? says it says uh I just had it. Uh what band has the greatest party music of all time? And this is a rock uh music account. So it's like not counting, you know, pop bands or anything like that. It's what's what band has the greatest party music of all time? And I said it's hard to beat ACDC. It would have to be ACDC. Exactly. Yeah. Because if you listen to Highway to Hell, like from start to end, mm-hmm. you're gonna get shit done. Yeah. You're gonna get shit done. Back also, in Black. I mean, Thunderstruck. Like. Yeah they they knew they knew how to get their people going, you know. And then I I told uh, the always shout out to the always. I said it also depends on the party too because if it's like uh, a couple of guys like if me and my my friends are kicking back you know having a couple beers or something then yeah ACDC is like the number the number one band on my playlist. But if like you know shit's getting real uh, crazy you know uh, you know there's uh, hard drinking involved and you know stuff. You know other things of that nature, things that I don't partake in, but maybe some other people do. Then you got to throw in like maybe Motley Crue or Poison or oh, somebody yeah. in there. Um, even even Bon Jovi, <laughs> like you got to throw yeah. like a mix of that stuff. Bon Jovi yeah. to calm them down because they have that one song. You know, I forgot what it's called. God damn it! You know what song I'm talking about for Bon Jovi? Wanted, wanted dead or alive? That's one of them. There's the other one, the one that kind of cheers you up. It's like a Kellogg's commercial. I mean, all of those <laughs> bands. You know, you got Van Halen, you got uh, Bon Jovi, you got Death Leopard, you got Poison, you got Guns N' Roses, you got, I mean, early, Met- no, Metallica wouldn't even fit that. No, Metallica wouldn't fit that. Neither would Led Zeppelin. Actually, Led Zeppelin would. I disagree. The, the rock and roll. And Immigrant Song. Like it would. Okay, rock, rock and roll. Yeah, I I agree with. But anything else is kind of, it's kind of like more like kind of stoner rock, where if you want to, you know, sit in a circle and smoke a joint, then yeah, Led Zeppelin. Oh, you're talking like the psychedelic. Yeah. Well, we're talking like you're drinking Bud Light. I mean, I don't drink Bud Light. I drink IPAs, but I know what you're talking about. Like, yeah, just like yeah. having a, a kickback party, you know. Yeah, you want to have, of course, Akadaka, uh, Motley Crue, fun music, just fun, easy, but like music that's easy to listen to. You don't have to analyze it to understand it. Yeah. Government mule. Government mule. <laughs> <laughs> Put them on there. I'd say Van Halen too, but only uh, David Lee Roth. Van yes, because once you go into Van, Van Hagar, Hagar, it doesn't. It's a different vibe. I would also say too, uh, Dark Horse candidate Leonard Skinner. Yeah, Fleetwood Mac too. They're they're become they had a resurgence. Mm-hmm. Fleetwood Mac had a resurgence. I'm like, whoa, that's 20 years later. I mean, I mean to be honest, Fleetwood Mac never really went anywhere, but it's just the a different generation is uh, is uh, finally. I feel uh, like they discovering were it. they were idling for the past since I was alive. They've been idling like like the engine's on, but they're not really revving. But they're revving they, right now. I mean, people are listening to Fleetwood Mac. Which is good. I mean, like music doesn't really die or goes away. It kind of just, it goes away for a little bit and then it comes back out. It's kind of like a good wine. You know, it's kind of like the same thing with music. You know, 
you're, you'll put away uh, good music for a while. Same thing like with a good bottle of wine. Let it age, kind of. And then uh, as time goes, uh, bring it back out and uh, have a glass. Dude, now I'm craving beer. <laughs> now I'm craving beer. God damn it. I'm going to have to drink a No, I can't drink a beer. Damn it. <laughs> Why not? Um, I'm working tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, I'm working after hours as well. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, I go. I go to do my job. Hey man, what's what's going on? <laughs> it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Oh, it would be. Can't, that's what can't. you think. Uh, that's what I knows. I know that. I've been to. I've been to work hungover many a times. CBS. Yep. Oh, for good reason. CBS. Twenty <laughs> percent <laughs> off coupon for getting your injection. Thank you. Nice. Scam. Scam. For sure. This is episode number 44. That was a is it 44? It's 44, 45, actually. Oh, dude, we got to do a, an all M48 special on the, the 48th episode. Actually, we should I, call Tanner for that one. I'm 100% down for that. So episode 48, make it an all M48. Like, you choose the track, you choose what we do, and let's go forward. Oh, yeah. I'm hella down. Oh, we gotta we gotta visit uh, visit Howard too. He has to f- kind of finish the story. He kind of cut halfway, and then we have to. He has to share more. He did. I don't remember. He still had more story to tell. Oh yeah, he definitely has way more stories to tell. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to get him on since things are kind of wrapping up and getting a little bit more safe out there. Heck yeah. Hell yeah! Music speaks episode number. I don't know, and I don't care. I'm just posting this up. For those that listen, thank you so kindly. Well, I don't know. Enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not thanking the audience. That's weird. The reality. Why not thank? Well, why not thank the audience? They're they're here for a reason. Yeah, they're here. Hopefully, they're entertained. But the the audience is essentially the fly on the wall hanging out with you and I because we have conversations and our conversations are actually spot on like this even when we're not recording pretty much yeah just a little bit more uh it's less they're less politically correct and there's a lot more swearing and a lot more star wars references a lot more like a shit ton yeah pretty much we just speak in star wars yeah because we all know that han solo shot them. i agree <laughs> speaks sometimes very loudly peace <laughs>